Hello again and welcome to Ken Drew's Real Dirt, Gardening 2.0. What's it all about? What's a garden for after all? Well, we're going we're gonna to investigate some of, of that today. I'm glad to see a lot of new gardening books. I've seen several on rooftop farming, naturalistic meadows and landscape systems, heirloom vegetables, public gardens, and many more. But there's only been one book that's come to my attention on making an evening garden for the express purpose of rest, relaxation, and imbibing. It's The Cocktail Hour Garden by C.L. Fornari. Today we may need fresh vegetables and meadows on rooftops, but with te technology being such a consuming part of our lives, perhaps now more than ever we need a break from the laptop, the iPad, and especially the smartphone. CL, I'm happy to welcome you to Ken Drew's Real Dirt. Congratulations on the Cocktail Hour Garden. Well, thank you, Ken. Uh, as you can imagine, this book was a real pleasure to write. Everyone's complaining how technology is interrupting their lives, and that's one of the reasons your book is so timely. That's right. There is so much technology, and uh, and and the 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 counter trend. You know, I a couple of years ago heard Anna Ball speak, and she was talking about for every trend there arises a counter trend that sometimes becomes as big or bigger than the original trend itself. And so I was thinking about how that uh, applied to gardening. And one of the things I realized was that, you know, the trend over the past several years being, you know, this digital world where we all carry the entire world and, and total contact in our pockets at all times, right? Um, the counter trend to that are things like fire pits, you know? Every consultation I do for somebody over 40, they want a fire pit in their backyard. <laughs> and it's that, that feeling of in this world of constant contact, we want to gather around the campfire with our tribe. <laughs> so, Do you think this is like the paleo diet? This is some, uh, something... Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's that, it's all of that return. And, and, and it's also that that uh, embracing of the young people of agricultural style. You know, all the brides want to get married in barns, right? <laughs> That's that same counter trend, that, that longing for the time before this digital age. I hope this trend continues and grows. I can imagine that. People in the Boston area and on Cape Cod, where you live, are familiar with you as a radio personality with your weekend radio shows, The Garden Lady and Garden Line. How long have you been doing these radio call-in shows, especially the one on Cape Cod? Well, the one on Cape Cod, Ken, I think this is probably my 13th year. Uh, so that's been a while, and I've been on WRKO in Boston for a year and a half. So uh, long enough on both stations to become familiar with my listening audience, my callers, and to really enjoy hanging out with them every Saturday. Well, I love radio, and I love how you can listen and also do something else. And there's there's very few things that you can it, it remain involved and yet have something else. You know, we, we hear about multitasking, but radio is really perfect for multitasking. That's right. And, and I love it when my listeners will call me and say, oh, I listen to you. Uh, with earbuds and my smartphone when I'm doing my morning grocery shopping, or I listen to you when I'm in the car on the way to the dump or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and I love picturing all these people kind of going about their, 
their lives, washing their dishes or weeding in their gardens and being a part of the program at the same time. So tell me about the Cocktail Hour Garden and how it came about. Well, this came about on my back deck at (laughs) Poison Ivy Acres on Cape Cod. Uh, My husband and I both work continually. You know, we are both... um, workers both outside in the gardens as well as in our jobs professionally and once we moved here the surroundings were so beautiful we decided to really make it a ritual in in any day that is good weather to put aside our computers our work uh, the shovels whatever it is at the evening hours and sit down on the deck to reconnect with each other and the natural world. And and I realized having that time to just sit and watch the gardens and the surroundings, to, to just wait and see what comes visually, you know, what you can hear, what you can smell to us, and put everything else aside. It was a real blessing. And that's what what stimulated the writing of this book. Well, you, you're really explaining it because when, when we hear the title or read the title, uh, you do have recipes in the book for concoction, concoctions with and without alcohol. But you write more about places and plants. And I could say plants with benefits, for example, to the senses, just like you're saying, those that invite touch. I thought that was really cool. And maybe some flowers that open at dusk to fill the air with evening fragrance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's once you really slow down and start to observe your own backyard, you realize first of all how complex it all is, and how uh, sometimes surprising and funny things are, mm. and how fragrant something might be during certain hours only, for example. So so taking the time to stop and really appreciate that. Uh, it's very enriching. One of my favorite things in the garden is is fragrance, and you know we know all we all know what a good gardenia is like. And that you say that word and it conjures fragrance. But you have one of my favorite plants, the clove currant. I I love that. Yes, isn't it a wonderful? That is such a magical fragrance when when the clove currant is in bloom, and it is just coming into flower in my garden on Cape Cod here at, during late April. So, uh, and it, it's a plant that once you, it's a fragrance, I think, and a perfume unlike any other. Wouldn't you agree? Well, it, it, it reminds me of Other pink. than cloves. <laughs> yeah. Well, it reminds me of pinks too and carnations and they all have the yeah. same chemical, eugenol, which has, which is actually the same, it's the same chemical that's in cloves. In the well, in yeah. the spice, it especially in the spring, it's so fresh. It's just yeah, and they're beautiful. The the yellow color is beautiful. And, you know, when I see the clove current, I think you can take your forsythia. <laughs> I don't need forsythia. <laughs> Give me clove current. That's right. That's right. And and the clove current, although it does spread a little bit by runners, it it doesn't have the same op- octopus arms that forsythia does. No. <laughs> Uh, well, 
You mentioned that you sat on the deck with your husband. What if you're alone at the cocktail hour? And I know in your book you write about that and how we experience the elements. You say earth and taste, air, smell, sight, sound, fire, and water. Sure, sure. Well, it is it is the time that we can connect with all of that, whether we're with other people or by ourselves. And sometimes, frankly, being alone in the cocktail hour garden is a gift in itself because then you're not even distracted by conversation, right? Then you can um, really, you know, stop and watch what those birds are doing. Uh, I remember one time being outside and noticing that the Blue Jay and the Baltimore Oriole were going at each other, hmm. and it was the battle of the complementary colors, you know? <laughs> <laughs> And watching that, it was all happening up in, in the sky, not down below. But um, being there and watching that was, was so much more entertaining and because it was absolutely surprising and unexpected and something I would never see really anywhere else. Well, you have a lot in the book about attracting butterflies and attracting birds and mm-hmm. making houses for birds. So I guess animals in the garden is a is a big part of what interests you. Oh, absolutely. Birds in particular are are one of my favorites that to watch bird behavior is always wonderful. Um and and to the more you watch, the more you realize uh, what you don't know. And so that's fun as well. It's it's one of the things I love about all aspects of gardening is that there is so much to continually discover and and learn about so that's that's a great thing and and you know from the the smallest of the insects and the most multicolored dragonflies to the hummingbirds you know who have their their sword fights over territory right mm. in front of you um it's just it's just an amazing thing to sit out there for even a half an hour and see all of the the dramas and the wonders that are happening. You're, you're saying these things, which, of course, are ring true to me, but I think of all the people who don't know this. <laughs> I don't know. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true, Ken, that um, unless you take the time to be there, not doing anything else other than maybe sipping your beverage, you know, um, unless you take that time, you don't know that hummingbirds fight with their long bills over territory, you know. Um, you don't know that there are many, many sizes and colors of dragonflies, for example. You don't know that there are stinkhorn fungus with these amazing post-Chernobyl shapes and smells. <laughs> uh, that's even better. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, you know, there are so many surprises and, and so many uh, things going on and, and so many conversations, you know, the plants are having conversations with each other with the wildlife. The wildlife are having conversations and they they are not necessarily sound conversations. They're not conversations in words, certainly, but they are conversations nevertheless. Mm -hmm. And unless we stop and take the time 
to watch and listen, you know, and smell for them even, um, we don't know it's happening. I'm speaking with C.L. Fornari, and she's the author of a new book, The Cocktail Hour Garden, Creating Evening Landscapes for Relaxation and Entertaining. And you're talking about life in the garden and noticing the life in the garden and the fragrances. We've been talking about that. And when I think of what you're talking about this time of day, I think of light and illumination. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe and white flowers of, for the moonlight garden. That's uh, one of the first things I think of. Is that well, we want white flowers? Sure, sure. It's amazing how how well white stands out in the garden. And um, white flowers is is first and foremost, of course, variegated foliage that is white, and even white garden ornaments. A white birdhouse. You know, you can see a white birdhouse from twenty feet away even in the deepest of dusk. Mm. So, so all of that is important. And, and the beauty of many white flowers, I find, Ken, is that they are not only visible, but they are the ones that are most highly fragrant because uh, many of the plants that are pollinated at night, they're pollinated by insects that are not looking for plants, but they're smelling for plants. Mm. And that white um, flower just makes a more visible landing pad for all of those pollinators. Everything is about co evolution, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> None of this stuff <laughs> is sure, for us. I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right. Well, we think, oh, isn't that nice? It's for us, but there's always some other uh, hidden agenda <laughs> with plants. And absolutely, you also have written about the the light. Uh, especially, mm-hmm. we're not in the garden in the winter that much, uh, enjoying a cocktail. It's possible, of course. <laughs> but think about that spring and especially the autumn light. Mm. And, you know, both in the morning and the evening, the, the rays of the sun are just sort of, they're, they're drenched in, in warm tones, in those honey, honey golden tones. And that light illuminates fine foliage as well as any, any leaf or flower that is red or yellow. And so you, you really appreciate that in the evening garden if you put certain plants that have those fine textures or, or the red or yellow foliage and flowers and it just lights up in a way that never happens at noon. Right. Well, I don't want to be out there at noon anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's not my favorite light in the garden. That's why I'm I'm into the shade gardens. And yes. uh, in your in your book, of course, you're talking about the cocktails too, and growing ingredients for the cocktails, and also hors d'oeuvres in a way, because you write about grazing. That's what you call it. And I know that there's always something to pick and eat. You know, it might be a, a snap pea or at least uh, picking an herb, to, a leaf of an herb to crush and pass around. I love to do that. And everybody mm. smells it. And they just. It's true. Yeah. The lemon verbena is my favorite herb for aromatherapy. Mm. And uh, that's that's one of my must have plants. But in terms of grazing, I, I don't know why we aren't having more cocktail hours right out in the vegetable garden. Uh, anyone who, who has a vegetable garden, even if it's a small raised bed, 
You can put a little pop-up bistro table and chairs out there next to your raised bed or out in the middle of a large vegetable garden, and you've got the freshest hors d'oeuvres on the planet. (laughs) Um, You know, and frankly, we put effort into our vegetable gardens, right? Mm -hmm. So we need to be out there and celebrate them a little bit and spend some time just enjoying how they look, you know, toward the end of the day once we're once we're done putting that effort in. Maybe it's a way to get free labor too. Have, well, that could be. <laughs> that could be have you your know, guests when harvest. <laughs> <laughs> when you're overrun with sugar snap peas, you have a party. <laughs> have a party, and even uh, I, I, I used to con friends into picking raspberries. I'm, I, I like to grow things, but I'm not really all that fond of the harvesting. Uh, which to mm-hmm. me, I, I even like weeding, but uh, I don't know, picking fruit. But it's very easy to get people to pick raspberries, especially if it's for the dinner that's going to follow the cocktail hour. That's right. That's right. Well, I had I have my gardens open every year during the Cape Cod Hydrangea Festival in July. And one of my favorite things, Ken, is to tell every child who comes on the property that they can go into that raspberry patch and pick as many as they want but the key is they have to put them in their mouth. They can't take them home. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one in the basket for you and one in their mouths. <laughs> that, well, could be. I had one little boy about six years old, and his eyes lit up, and he said, but how about a carton, he said. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, this little boy is going to go far because he's always thinking, you know, to the next thing. So <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you have... Wonderful recipes. I, I didn't mean to say that you didn't have recipes, and one that I'm going to try right away is the Citrus Sunset Cocktail, uh, which has blood orange juice and mm. pineapple juice. And this time of year, it's the end of winter, but the blood oranges are, are in the markets, in case you don't yep. have a blood orange tree. And it has a little vodka and rum, but you also suggest that people can substitute coconut water and a teaspoon of maple syrup. I think that's great that you have the the alcohol and the without alcohol version of a lot of these drinks. Yes, and and uh, I hate the term mocktails, but um, because I think a cocktail can be uh, any evening gr- drink that uh, you want to you know have in a glass. But I think it's a celebratory drink, um, and and of course for for many people the alcohol is part of that celebratory aspect, but it doesn't have to be for those who are avoiding it. And so there's always an alternative to make a celebratory drink and then spend that time in the garden. And that that particular citrus drink is one of my favorites. The other one that I uh, really encourage people to try is the parsley cocktail that I I call the garnishes revenge. (laughs) And... um, it's, it, you know, parsley is the most familiar herb in this country, and it is the Rodney Dangerfield of herbs. It gets no respect, yes. you know. It, it's put as a garnish on the plate and then tossed out. Um, but the cocktail that I have in there using parsley is delicious. It is refreshing and delicious with, without alcohol. And it's refreshing and delicious with a shot of tequila or vodka or whatever the the alcohol of your choice is. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So you have to try that one. I'm going to try lime that. Lime and 
lime, parsley, agave syrup, sparkling water, and then, you know, the addition uh, of alcohol of your choice. I'm, I'm a tequila gal myself, so that's, that's the direction I go for the cocktails. Well, I have to tell you, I make cilantro margaritas, and they're oh, a big hit Ken. with a lot of that cilantro. Sounds, <clears throat> that sounds delicious. It's so good. And, and you know, yeah, ba- go ahead. basil is an herb that's really trending in cocktails. Well, I was going to bring days. that up. You have the deviant basil mojito. Yes, yes. And that one was invented um, by a woman uh, that I visited who has a meadery in Kauai. And uh, so she she invented that, and it's a delicious cocktail as well. But I've, you know, and, and people can get very creative with all the various different types of basil. And, and one that I w- want to encourage people to grow for not only cocktail ingredients, but garnishes, is the African blue basil, because you can let that plant flower forever. It doesn't produce seeds, so you don't have to deadhead it. And the flowers are, make such beautiful garnishes in mm. beverages. It's a great plant. Well, also, I saw that you have a little, uh, I was going to say petal, but it's a teeple of a tulip uh, decorating a drink, and it's, it's just so beautiful. Yes, it is. It is. It's, um, many people don't realize that tulips are edible. So um, it's a, a wonderful thing, and, and those tulips uh, were were given to me by the organic tulip, uh, eco-tulip company. And their whole thing is is tulip teeny celebrations when the tulips are in bloom. <laughs> well, you have teas, too, in the book. And we, we you mentioned something about sitting in the vegetable garden. So if you could just speak a little bit about furniture and places to sit. Well, that, of course, is the essential thing in addition to the gardens. You want uh, to be able to relax. That's the whole point of the cocktail hour garden. And so seating is really important. Now, there, and you can go many directions, too, because, number one, really good, comfortable garden furniture is a must. We have two very sturdy teak chairs on our back deck, and that's where we normally settle down. But portable seating is also uh, a good thing in a cocktail hour garden to be able to move that portable lightweight bistro set into the vegetable garden. Or maybe you have from a particular part of your property a view of the western sky to on a night when there promises to be a great sunset you want to be able to move quickly some chairs, whether they're, you know, the old aluminum folding lawn chairs or whether it's a metal bistro set. You want to be able to very quickly move into that area where you can watch the sunset. Well, I think you're talking about a lot of things that people don't think about. And uh, that's really the great thing about the book are all these things we don't think about. So, you know, mm-hmm. cocktail, we might think, oh, well, you know, I'm cocktail, I don't know about that, but it's really the cocktail hour. You're really talking about taking the time off and and in, uh, taking the time to enjoy the garden and to look and to experience right. the senses in the garden, to stop and breathe and to put down the phone <laughs> and maybe That's with right. friends, enjoy the garden, 
And I, I think you've really done that successfully in this book. And I, I'm going to ask you if I can, we have a, a, a web page that accompanies the podcast and maybe you'll let me put a recipe there. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Take, take the one of your choice. I would encourage you to sample several of these cocktails, Ken. <laughs> it might be a little early in the season for the fresh blueberry cocktail, but um, <laughs> sample several of them and put up the recipe of your choice. Uh, I'll do that if I can still use the computer after sampling <laughs> several okay. of them. And I've been speaking to C.L. Fornari, and she's the author of a new book, The Cocktail Hour Garden, Creating Evening Landscapes for Relaxation and Entertaining, something we don't think about enough and uh, something I encourage everyone to do. Uh, turn your back on the grill, maybe for just a short time, and certainly put down that iPhone and enjoy the pleasures and the the senses and the elements of the garden. And uh, to help you do that, uh, take a look at this new book. We'll have links on the Ken Drew's Real Dirt website and maybe some pictures and a little bit more information and uh, a recipe. And thank you again. Oh, my pleasure. Cheers. Join me again for another edition of Ken Drew's Real Dirt. <laughs>